I love knowing that no matter what happens, if I lost every penny, I would feel bad for my wife, but that would be my new platform to go build tons of tons more new relationships and get off the ground. So I would say um, to my young self, calm down, bro. Hmm. Give it all you got. Don't ask for a hundred. Ask for a million yeah. because that's what you'll get. How much of the camera gets us? Can it see our feet? Uh huh. I don't have any chicken poop on there, do I? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you never know. He's got one heck of a chicken coop. I'm the there. only guy I know that has a that still rides a skateboard when he's 55 years old that has chicken poop on his skateboard. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's amazing. I told him. I said, I said he has uh, built his office and his house in such a way that he skateboards into his office every day. I did. I poured that sidewalk. I uh, I bought this building eight years ago. Bought the house two years ago, and first thing I did is I poured a sidewalk right to the side door so I can ride my skateboard to work. Yeah, that's so cool. Life is good. That's amazing. Well, Rick, so happy to have you on. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, we're just really excited to talk to you today. Um, the team, we've been chatting about you and looking forward to uh, just getting to you know sit down and hear your stories. I mean, obviously, I think everybody knows you from, from Shark Tank and Read Arrest and that whole journey, um, but I want to hear a little bit more of the backstory uh, and then also hear about the journey of getting onto Shark Tank. I think that's so interesting, and it's, it's rare. Like, you know, we see the show, but most people don't know individuals that have actually done it and been in that room. Um, so thank you for, for doing this and being here. My pleasure, man. It's always a blast hanging out with you. Oh, we have a good time. I, uh, I, I always, I always am laughing when I, uh, when I leave your presence. I, 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 t- I tell people all the time, I laugh more than anybody I know. I'm committed to it. Um, business, it's important to make money, but the most fun I have is going from zero to a million mm. because of all the relationships I build. And I'm, I'm, uh, if you ask anybody that knows me, I am definitely more committed to fun than I am profit. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree with that. And, and one thing I, I, I wanted to know this about you, but you just said, you know, you're 55 years old. You have more energy than a lot of 20 year olds that I know. And why is that? Is that be, are you doing some crazy health thing, or is it just you love what you do every day? Or where does that energy come from? I wish I could take credit for something I do. I think it is enthusiasm. I heard enthusiasm is a spiritual condition, and I think it picks us. We mm. don't pick it. However, there is an accelerator that happens. Um, uh, about ten years ago, I learned that it's that uh, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. And attitude is everything. Mm. So I decided that uh, how I treat every situation, I have the option uh, to having a great attitude. And it, mm. it, it perpetuates that energy. Mm. I lo- yeah, it's, it's such a, it's a decision. Yeah, it is. Uh, I see people, I try, to, I try to influence people all the time because some folks are naturally negative. I'm allergic to negativity. Mm which means I'm allergic to negative people. Mm. And so when I'm forced into spending time with folks that are uh, just make me uncomfortable, every time I hear some negativity coming out or some bad talk about somebody else, mm. my first reaction is throw water on it and let's get on with the happy show. Mm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Let's, let's keep on going. I don't want to you know, talk about negative stuff. Yeah. 
So I was going to ask you, like, what's the practical thing that you do in like, because like we talk about this a lot in our company about we, we eliminate negativity. Like we don't allow negative talk to happen. So like, what, like, and I know the same goes in your business. Like what's the practical day to day? Like when you hear negativity and you say you throw water on it, what does that actually look like? It's either um, a contrary statement to the negative statement. And if that doesn't work, you change the subject into something that is positive. And last case scenario, you just uh, separate yourself mm. from the person. Come, just go away. Just go away. Yeah. <laughs> go somewhere else. Yeah, it makes sense. So, you know, before Read Arrest, you, you had uh, multiple things going. Uh, I want to go back to kind of the beginning a little bit. Like, wh- where did this all start? I know you have – your story is amazing. I mean, you have one of the most – like, I, I love your story. It's so inspiring. It's interesting. So can you take us back a little bit and talk about, you know, kind of the early I don't know how much time, time you have, and I don't know how far back you want to go, but <laughs> <clears throat> there were some dark ages, mm. and there were some... So I was a little kid. Um, I remember my mom died about 10 years ago, but she used to always talk about how... So I, had, I have a brother that's a year older and a year younger, and when it was night-night time, when we were little kids, um, my mom would go in the room, and there's little Ricky staring at the ceiling, thinking about stuff, and I probably was. When I was, uh, I would say, 13, my dad was a plumber, and it was a windy day, and uh, kite surfing, or a sailboard, uh, what do you call that, kite sailing, Mm -hmm. was a thing, so I wanted to build a kite for my skateboard, Okay. and so I took some PVC pipe and old bed sheet, duct taped it together, and I was just ripping around the neighborhood, my friends were chasing me. Yeah. And uh, they didn't get a turn because they should probably build their own kite. <laughs> Just saying. And then um, I actually, I invented the snowboard. Okay. Nobody <laughs> believes me. But when I was, uh, I think I was 18 or 19, my friends were going skiing up up in Northern California. And I built, I was shaping skimboards for, I don't know if you know what skimboarding is. It mm-hmm. beats a yeah. shore break, riding yeah. shore break waves. And so I shaped this thing that now looks like a snowboard. I called it my snow surfer because I've always wanted to surf in the snow. Okay. Little metal brackets, literally put rope in my backpack and roped my Sorel hiking boots onto these metal brackets and just ripped down the mountain. Yeah. And I didn't know I could make money at the time. Okay. So I didn't know how to take something to market. So I've always had that creative brain. I'm not unique. Most entrepreneurs have an... Uh, unstoppable desire to figure stuff out, Mm. solve problems. Some people, some of us have the uh, innate ability to see a solution to a problem and implement it. And that's what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah. That's interesting. So then, so you invent the snowboard and then, and then what happens? So, uh, I just kept going to school and, uh, I went to college twice. Okay. Made it halfway through semester both times. Okay. Uh, because and I'm not slow. School is slow. <laughs> I agree. And so I'm just running so fast. Now I took the long, hard road. Hmm. Uh, got married early. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna tell you some dirty, some some dark uh, secrets about my life. Go that, ahead. That uh, that people need to know about because if somebody's ever feeling hopeless. Hmm. Um, so after about five years of marriage, uh, and I had two little girls, I tried out smoking meth. Hmm. Fell in love with it. Wow. Took control of my life for two and a half years. I'm a 200-pound guy. I weighed 145 pounds. 
And the last time I went to jail, and so I was running the streets. My wife kicked me out after after a while, and uh, I just I couldn't stop. Wow! So I spent I only I've spent forty days in jail for I I never even got any drug charges. That's the weird part. Hmm. I had the uh, consequences of being an idiot, basically unpaid registration, failures to appear. I had four warrants for my arrest when I got a, when when I got busted, and it's just dumb stuff. So thank God I never had any uh, felonies or anything like that that didn't keep me from getting jobs later. Mm. So July 13th, 1994, I'm done. Quit. Spend some time going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings and, and you know meeting up with folks that understand the grip of addiction mm. and how to get out of the gutter and up onto the curbs, if you know right. what I mean. Yeah. So I went to work at Home Depot. Okay. And I uh, spent six years at Home Depot, literally to the day I quit the day uh, I was hired, because I had started a new company a couple months earlier. I was a window and door installer most of my life. I was a contractor. I, I can build anything, and I build everything. So I was um, – I had a door and window business when I was using meth, and that was my front for being out there running around doing stuff. But I never lost the skill – of doing finished carpentry and whatnot. So when I was working at Home Depot, it wasn't enough money to, oh, by the way, uh, the victory is my wife took me back miraculously. Hmm. And we've been married uh, 34 years next month. Wow, that's great. Boom. Congratulations. So, And we count those those two years. Uh, we should get actually get bonus points for those two years. <laughs> those saying. are bonus if points. you ask her, she... Those she, are bo- yeah, she wants those bonus points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... While I was at Home Depot, I had bought my first house when I was 35, about 35, and I was 29 when I quit using drugs and bought my house. I'm replacing my windows, and I, for years, I kept wondering, why doesn't somebody design something to simplify the lives of window installers? Because when you put retrofit windows in, you pulled an old window out. There's always a gap around the inside. You got to do trim work and do nails, you know, shoot nails in and cock and do all the, all the fill the nails and paint the trim. So nobody would do it. Hmm. So I think January 9th, two thousand or two thousand one, my hand went up involuntarily. I said, "All right, I'll do it." I didn't even know what extrusions were. I wound up designing the product, had a guy make it for me, and I never called in sick. So I had like six weeks of vacation time racked up at Home Depot. Wow. So I'd take a couple weeks off, and I'd jump, I'd jump in my little S10 with a little trailer and drive up and down. I was living in California. I spent okay. 48 years out there surfing and snowboarding before I uh, left and came back to America. <laughs> uh, no offense, California. <clears throat> You're a beautiful place. But so we um, – it's just Texas. You know, we don't have to talk oh, yeah. about Texas. Yeah. Everybody knows why people go move to Texas from California. Sure. So I um, – all these people were buying my window trim. It was called Trim Quick. I okay. think it's been 10 years since I sold that company, so I think I'm allowed to talk about it now. So Trim Quick, great product, great customers. Hmm. And so I did that for 10 years, sold my interest in the company, and um, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. And um, a buddy of mine came over with a variation of a magnetic eyeglass holder. And so I'm like, hey, what is that? So I ignored it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he had like a, it was he had a pin or something on his shirt, and uh, 
a little while later, I go, hey, what's that goofy thing on your shirt? He says, what? Oh, you know, we were screwing around. And uh, so I had time on my hands. I had just uh, sold, uh, did a leverage buyout. So I had some money coming in for four years. Okay. And so it just seemed obvious to try something new. Now, I had a lot of friends that, uh, can I just keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We want to hear it all. Go ahead. <laughs> so I had, we'll get to the Shark Tank part. Go ahead. Everybody loves Shark Tank. Well, we so want to hear all the backstory. Yeah. So here, so the, okay, I'm going to kind of transition out of, that first phase of my life where um, I had started the company, the window trim company, and, and uh, did that for 10 years. And it was good. I mean, I um, went the first time I ever made money in my life, so I spent most of it. Bought mm-hmm. an airplane and uh, Harley, and uh, just, I uh, was just, wow. you know, we just, <laughs> like, you know, like, like <laughs> as if you weren't going to live very long. Right. And uh, so... Let's transition into the redirect story. Okay. Um, I already started it. Uh, it wasn't my idea. Okay. I got some patents on on some stuff later on, but <clears throat> found out I started making these these uh, these little clips. I was started making them with a paper clip. Literally, I have the originals. I should I got them around here somewhere. Bent a paper clip, epoxied it to two magnets, and just put a fender washer under my shirt and hang my glasses on there. And it was a place to hang my glasses because when you bend over, they always fall out of your shirt. And anybody that wears reading glasses knows yeah. what happens. So it, the byproduct was this little thing. It always in the, had, was in the same place all the time. But when you bend over, your glasses don't fall out because the gravity just pulls it forward and it stays on there. Right. And every single day for six months, strangers would walk up to me and go, hey, what is that? Is that part of your shirt? What What is that little thing on your shirt? I'm like, oh, that's my little... Uh, paperclip thingy I called it yeah and six months later I was like I think this might be a big deal people notice it everybody wants or everybody's asking about this yeah this this literally could be it's a tiny little inexpensive thing but it could be the next big thing yeah well and and you know that when somebody keeps asking you over and over again about a little invention that you've that you're using for your own not only what is it but oh my dude where do you get that I want one of those they wanted it so then uh I thought, all right, I'm going to get serious about it. So I went and um, I went into production. I had a company. I spent, spent 15 grand on tooling and had this guy make me about 50,000 of these little clips. And I'm in my garage at the house in a spare bedroom. And, and now I'm doing packaging in the living room. And my wife's like, what are you doing? Get Go, go get a shop. Yeah. But I was doing street fairs, farmer's markets, gun shows, golf shows, trade fairs, you, ne- you name it. You Wherever there. there was a bunch of people, I put up my little, my little booth with my, with my logo on there. And people would come by. And every single person that came by my booth, because it was something new. Yeah. It was people. There's really nothing to associate it with. So when people walked by, nobody, it would, you never saw the look on somebody's face that said, oh, that's one of those. Right. It was always this look on the face like. They would stand there for five or ten seconds, and I would do a silent demo. I'd, and just show them. And they're like, one guy was like, Gina! She was like three booths down. And he's mad now. And so she walks up. She looks at this stuff. She's like, what? she goes from like this to this and slaps him in the arm because he had just lost his $300 sunglasses the day before. Oh, okay. He wouldn't have lost his sunglasses. If he had it. So 
the reaction, and then people would start pulling money out of their pocket, start throwing money at me before they even knew how much they cost. Hmm. And which was kind of funny. Uh, uh, the perceived value of something is is uh, is really important. Yeah. Um, I tried. I tested lots of different price points okay. to see what people would pay for it. So I I price it at twelve dollars. People would buy some. I price it at ten dollars. People would buy some. And I when I dropped the price to five dollars, people would come up to my booth and go, "Oh, that's not worth five bucks. I wouldn't give you two bucks for that thing." Interesting. And then I, two hours later, I changed my price because all the new people walking by. I know I'm selling them for $10. A guy throws t- 20 bucks at me, takes two of them, puts it on there, takes his like little, uh, what do you call it, that little ne- uh, like a granny chain type yeah. thing, uh-huh. takes it, throws it in my trash can, puts his glasses in there. He's walking away. He goes, 10 bucks. What a great deal. Yeah. Whereas the guy before said, five bu- I wouldn't pay you two bucks for that. That's interesting. Thing. So... That is where I learned about Shark Tank. Okay. Is my mic okay? Yeah, it's perfect. So I was, I was, uh, I was doing the shows straight. Every every place I could, every weekend I was out somewhere slinging these little things, and nobody liked the name of my company. Okay. And what was the name then? Reader Rest. Oh, same thing. And I I I had let no less than a hundred people in the last ten years tell me Reader Rest. That's kind of a stupid name. I go, I know. And I pull out a $100 bill. I go, you got two minutes to come up with a better name, mm. and this is yours. Yeah. I've never given a $100 bill. No one's ever done it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a great name, but it, but it works. It is. Uh, re- read Arrest. Anyway, so settled on Read Arrest. I was going to do, I had all kinds of crazy names yeah. that were inappropriate. <laughs> um, so during all these trade shows and fairs and farmer's markets and stuff, People would, um, they would see what it is, and they'd see how I demo it, and they're like, you got to go on Shark Tank. Now, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't know what Shark Tank is. Okay. And, and what, when is this? Uh, this would be, this would be 2010, 2011. Okay. Two, yeah, 2011, like from January to June of 2011, and... I'm like, everybody kept saying the same thing. So I would be like, what is it? And they would say, oh, it's a, it's a game show. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a game show. Interesting. And then somebody would go, okay. oh, it's, it's like a, it's a reality. And the next person said, it's a reality show and where there's a contest and you could win money. And I'm thinking, I'm not going on some stupid game show. I'm busy taking a product to market. Right. I'm, and I'm having fun doing sure. it. Sure. I'm not going to whatever. So no, seriously, six months of hundreds of people telling me, dude, you got to get on Shark Tank. I'm serious. Yeah. And then one night, my buddy called me and basically called me at night one night and said, you're an idiot, and hung up on me. I'm going, whoa, what's up, bro? So I, pick, I call him back. He's like, you haven't even looked into Shark Tank. How do, you, how do you even know you should or shouldn't? You have, how many people have told you? So I go, all right. So that night, I look it up online, and I watched a couple little two-minute uh, snippets of, a, okay. of the show. Yeah. That, wow, this is kind of a big deal. So I sent him an email submission, Dear Shark Tank, I've never seen your show before, but I've had hundreds and hundreds of people tell me I should get on your show. Here's my domain. Here's my. I gave him some, some basic information. And then um, uh, I'm going to tell the naked story Okay. of the phone call from the, uh, the Shark Tank producer. All right. <laughs> so, I, I, again, I was living in, in California at the time. I had just got done surfing. I'm in the back of my van. I had just taken off my wetsuit. I'm standing there totally naked in my van. 
And my phone rings. And it was a 310 number. <clears throat> like, ah, I'll answer it. So there I was talking naked to the uh, head producer of Shark Tank. <laughs> uh, if you see this video, sorry, bro. Um, and uh, so I heard later that they get like 40,000 applicants per season. Okay. And they're shooting the next season in like two or three weeks from when he called me. Hmm. So <clears throat> I uh, – I'm accused by all my friends of being the luckiest person in the world. So what did he tell you? What did, what did, the, what did he say to you on the phone? Got your submission. Great product. Um, I actually had lied and cheated on the application <laughs> because really I had nothing to lose. And it said, do not send videos. Just send, a, send us a picture of you. And so in my submission, I said, uh, if you want to see a picture of me, uh, uh, click on the link below. It was a moving picture. Mm. It was me demonstrating my product. Okay. And uh, he, I never got in trouble for it. I got on the show for it. Yeah. So I, uh, so he, so we did. So, okay. So then I'm like, they send me this huge contract. I'm like, oh man. So I take it to my attorney and my attorney says. This is just to get on the show? Yeah. This is, this is, you have to agree to some terms to get on the show. To be on the show. Okay. And so my, I took it to my attorney and he's like, are you sure you want to get into all this? This is. This is a big contract. I go, yeah. He said, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so why anyway. was that? What was the issue with it? Was just so locked down, or what was the problem with that contract? I, I don't were, know if you can talk were, about it or not. No, but. I really can't talk about it. But there were some terms in the first because I was in season three. Okay. There were some terms in season uh, in the earlier seasons. I think that were um, maybe considered unfair to new to new business or something. I okay. I can't. I don't really remember honestly, but. Again, I had nothing to lose. Sure. So, best thing I ever did, going on Shark Tank with okay. this little product because the exposure is incredible. Yeah. So, so you get the call, you go to the filming, and what is that like? Like, what is that process like? Do they wave you in and you just walk in the doors, or what is it like actually being there? So they go, they they uh, put you up in a hotel near the studios. And then you go and you have to sit, get in a, you get a little green, a little room to, because they don't want anybody talking to other people because they don't want any, any spoilers. So right. they keep everybody separated. And then as soon as you're done shooting your episode, boom, they throw you in a van and take you straight here. back to your, back to your place and don't talk to anybody kind of deal. Yeah. So, but, so I'm in there and I go, well, the day before you do a, uh, a practice run okay. with a bunch of uh, producers and camera people as a as a fake. Um, I don't know if I'm, I let, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this stuff, but nonetheless, that's okay. It's uh, it was very very stressful. The practice run. Well, it, the practice run wasn't really that stressful for me because I I knew my story, I knew my pitch, it was easy. But the people in front of me that went, they were they got hammered. They were so they were like a disaster. Okay. And then so. The next day, we it's my turn to go in. So I'm, when you go, when you walk in the corridor, so I'm like, my heart's pounded. I'm just like, I don't know why I'm so stressed. I can get in front of a bunch of people and talk. Yeah. And but this was a dynamic that I just never understood. I'll, I'll never understand between the lights and the cameras and the and and then and then the five sharks. Yeah. <laughs> was like, so I had. Oh, I got to tell you one story about when he called me. Oh, he says I'm gonna we're gonna have. I needed to have a 45 minute interview on the phone before I got to the next 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 phase of the project. 
So he says, we're going to call you on Thursday morning at 1045. Have your one to two minute pitch ready. And we're going to ask you some questions. So he calls me at 1045, sharp. I go, all right, before I tell you my pitch, when I come down the corridor, I'm going to come and I'm going to trip. I'm going to fall and do a tumble on the ground and pop up to show that my product works. And he says, no stunts. Hmm. Go, it's not a stunt. I'm going to trip and fall when I come in, and I'm going to fall down on the ground. I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to start my pitch. He goes, no stunts. I go, I'm taking the fall. <sighs> he gets mad. Look, send me a video of your stunt, and I'll, I'll, send it, I'll, I'll run it by legal to see if we're going to let you do it or not. Now, pretend you did it. Now, now, now give me your pitch. <laughs> so yeah. my, our first meeting was an argument. Was that? Okay. <laughs> Which is the best. So I did. I went in. I tumbled in. Now, on the day of the taping of the show, I'm ready. The doors are about to open. Waiting. And, I, and they go. They pull these cords to pop the doors open. Boom, the string breaks. Cut, Whoa. cut, cut. Ah, oh. So anyway, so then they fix it. It took them two minutes. The guy's got a screw gun up there. These guys are pros. Pop the door open. I come down. I'm walking down this thing. Have you ever seen the episode? It doesn't look like I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I walked down. Well, literally I tripped, but I was stressed out. Right. Anybody that knows me knows that look on my face like, there's something wrong with Rick. (laughs) Well, imagine that'd be so, I mean, opening those doors and seeing it. And is it silent in there? Like, uh do they play the music that's on the show, or is it silent when you're actually walking? I don't know if I'm to talk about all that stuff. Okay. Um, well, if not, but, we can cut it all out. But there wasn't uh, any music when I was walking down there. You, didn't, you don't hear, dun, dun, dun. No, 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 it's just silent. Yeah, it's just it's quiet. It's cruising along. Because, you know, wow. it's, it's a produce, you, you produce stuff. You know, right. you know production value. Yeah. Anyway, so I go in there. I, tri- I pick my mark. I trip. Because there's a spot where I have to stand to do my pitch because all the cameras are ready. And I have to wait. 60 seconds after I trip and fall to stand there so everything gets adjusted before I start my pitch. Wow. So I trip, I fall, boom, boom. I tumble on the ground, I pop up, and Kevin O'Leary's all, he's all, bad theater. Like he, like, before anything, anything. He's like, I'm going, before I did this, I had told a couple of my friends what I was going to do. And they're like, bro, don't do it. They're going to think you're an idiot. Everybody and they're like, dude, don't, don't, don't do it. They're gonna think you're an idiot. And I'm like, I am an idiot, and I have nothing to lose. Yeah, I'm taking the fall. Why did you? Why would you decide to do the fall? Just because you wanted okay. to demonstrate the That's product? An excellent question. One year earlier, and I'd show you the giant scar in my shoulder. If I could take my shirt off, I have a 25 mile an hour electric skateboard. I okay. have a couple thousand miles in this thing. So did a boosted board. No, it's before boosted. Uh, okay. It's called X Skate. It okay. was American made. This guys were the, these guys were the OG, okay. original um, electric skateboard guys, and the, the new ones are like eleven miles an hour or something because people are dying. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm I get in a really bad accident on my electric skateboard. Okay. Twenty five miles an hour. Boom! I tumble. Boom! 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 I destroy my shoulder. I always wear a helmet, and um, go to the ER. I have to do a surgery. It's eight month recovery. Whoa! Now I was I was riding a skateboard six miles to the dealership to pick up my wife's car that was in for service. I was going to grab her car and come home. Well, I get to this. I fell. I fall. I'm my my collarbone. I was it was really bad, and so I knew I was hurt real bad. So I I couldn't. My 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 shoulder was dropping down 
really low because I had torn all my ligaments. And so I hooked my thumb in my belt and pushed my shoulder up, and I tucked my collarbone back in Ooh. like this. And then I got back on my skateboard and rode the rest of the way to the dealership <laughs> in unbelievable pain. Oh, my god! So I run into the dealership. I'm slamming my hand on the counter. I'm going to go, I need my car right now. I got to go to emergency. I just and my foot was all bloody and everything. So I get to the ER. And I'm still holding my thumb in my in my pants, so I'll keep my shoulder up. And I grab my wallet out, and I put it down. I, I slide out my insurance card, and I can't read it because I don't have my glasses on. So I set my insurance card down, and I do this. Wow. And Pulled I go, your glasses out. And I go, my glasses stayed on during my terrible accident. Yeah. So that was the inspiration. Of the fall. Of the fall. I'm taking the fall. Okay. And so I just felt like it was really important to yeah. – do a tumble so that look at this isn't just a little cute little handy place this is actually keeps your glasses safe right uh, people have to spend a lot of money and in, invest in the glasses oh, yeah. so i'm basically in a little insurance policy for people to keep their glasses a little longer sure so anyway um watch the episode if you want to really see what uh what happens yeah we can put the episode into this video Oh yeah you can pop a little yep. something in there and you know what it, uh, again it was um I was Laura Grenier's very first deal. Okay. It was her first day on the set. Wow. And it was abs- actually perfect timing because I really wanted to get on QVC. And yeah. two weeks, like a, a week, no, one week before I was actually going to, to do this, shoot the episode, I get contacted by Shark Tank and say, hey, there's a new shark that's going to be on here. And I had already already done background checks on all the other sharks because yeah. I really didn't know who's who. And got, uh, I, so I kind of knew who was who. So I went in there to make a deal with Lori. Mm. That's it. So when they started falling out, a um, bunch of cool folks, really, really, really cool gig. And I, I uh, you know, I've had, I've had, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people have contacted me about to get my advice on what should I go on Shark Tank or yeah. should I patent questions and all kinds of stuff. Sure. And I give when I when I was going to go on the show, I contacted one of the earlier season entrepreneurs that had made a deal. Because I wanted some advice. Yeah. And well, I wanted to know what to expect. Um, sometime between taping the show and when it aired, I, I was trying to prepare for a surge of business. Sure. And I called two of them, and neither of them called me back. Hmm. I was so disappointed. So I give everybody five minutes. Every yeah. single person that contacts me, I give them all five minutes. A lot of times it turns into 20, and it usually turns into a new friend. Hmm. That's great. That's such a good point. Uh, you know, it's funny because like you would think that somebody in the early days being on that show would be willing to help you, but I guess not. But that's great that you do the same thing. And I can imagine that so many people have reached out to you just to get advice. I mean, because everybody wants to know what they're getting into before they actually step in there. Yeah. Some of the calls are pretty painful. Really? Uh, yeah. Because people get emotionally involved with their projects and there's not a lot of great new products out there. Uh, well, and I imagine you've been the bearer of bad news for some of these people. Just, I mean, you have to just straight up tell them this is not a good I do. idea. You know what? I, I always, and I've, I've learned over the years to how to, uh, how to set up the conversation. I call them back and they're always like, I can't believe you called me back. Yeah. I go, why wouldn't I? Well, yeah. you're just, so I go, hey, listen, I don't sign NDAs. I have, uh, I get a million dollar idea every week. I don't have time for my ideas. I'm not going to waste my time on yours. Yeah. I'm going to share with you for free what you should do. Yeah. 
and you better do it because if you don't, I'm not going to, you're not going to get a second conversation. So I, I just know I've done, been through it a couple times. Yeah. So I always set the conversation up with, okay, if you're going to tell me your idea, I need your permission to be honest with you. Hmm. That's good. Because you can sit there for an hour and tell me a hundred reasons why people are going to buy your cool product. And all I need is two reasons why they won't, and they won't. Yeah. That's it. That's good. So, That's good. And a lot of times there's not a, there's a, there's a too big of a, there's too tight of a differential between the cost of goods. They don't know how much it's going to cost to make. But I always tell people, look, there's a perceived value. Mm-hmm. What will people pay for this thing? There is margins you have to factor in from cost to, you know, between the cost of goods to distributor, distribution costs to maybe rep- representatives that you have to pay commissions. And if there's not enough money in it, it's well, a hobby. Why do it? Yeah, just a hobby. Go have some fun. Yeah. So have you had anybody that's reached out to you to, for this advice that has gone big with it? Like, do you, do you have anybody that's really reached out to you and, and it's, it's been a big success? Um. No. Hmm. Wow. There's just uh, honestly, there's um, I've I've helped a couple people actually get on the show. Okay. Um, just by offering to, uh, hey, here's what you, here's what you're gonna need for the pitch. Let me let me read your script, and then I'll critique it for you. You know, for your submission, and uh, you know, I have an idea of what they want. I don't do this for people, by the way, anymore. I don't. Mm. I don't give away. I don't. I really. I'm. I'm not giving away my time for free as much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, it's there's just not enough time. Time is the most valuable commodity in the world. Yeah. And you do I, a lot. You do a lot. I do. You're, I do you're a busy guy. Uh, busy having fun. Yeah. <laughs> but everything I, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. No. That that was kind of my Shark Tank story. Mm. Uh, and it's. I I recommend it. Every everybody should try to uh, get on that show if there's an opportunity and nothing lasts forever so you don't know how many years that show is going to be going on for right i've had a lot of people um tell me no I, i'm not going to i'm not going to go on that show because for one reason or another and i'm like it's usually a bad reason hmm. dumb reason yeah because the exposure is so great it is and then and the relationships you yeah can, you have a chance to build yeah well. so <clears throat> One thing I want to ask you is you have so many ideas. You have so many projects. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you have so many ideas, so many projects, and you're always – I feel like you're always starting something new. And so how do you – because there's so many people like that who, who they they start one thing and then they go, oh, well, I got a great idea over here that I want to start this one. So how do you maintain focus? Because obviously you've built multiple businesses. You've sold them. And, you know, you carry them to fruition. How does one actually start a business and then, like, focus on that? Or maybe not a business, but just an idea and actually continue with that idea and make something out of it without getting completely sidetracked? Like, how, how do you, where, where does that focus come from? I've seen a theme. A lot of folks that I talk to that, that contact me, they have an idea. And then they have they all of a sudden they're telling me about another one and a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one. They're telling me, Oh, I got all these ideas. Yeah. And a lot of them just, I'm not going to lie. A lot of these guys, they, uh, these ladies, ladies and gentlemen, they call me and they're, they're like, um, Hey, I have this idea. I want to sell it to you. I'm like, <clears throat> no. Yeah. I, I tell people that all the time, uh, ideas are worth a penny and that's it. Yeah. 
you know, the action and the plan. The execution is execution what's worth it. Is, and, it's gotta, and it has to win also. Yeah. <clears throat> so the advice that I give to people when they have too many ideas is I tell them to make a list and of all their ideas that they want to do a business mm. and refine that list down to three things that you think are the best. And then run about, run those three ideas by a couple good friends. Pick one. Mm. Pick one. Pick one thing. And here, you know, here's a, and your subcategories are um, cost to produce. Right. Uh, a prototype. Yeah. The cost to produce hundreds. The cost to produce thousands. So you can see where it's going to be. If you can get to the point where you're selling thousands or hundreds of thousands of something, then you're going to wind up eating it up front. But you get to that point of critical mass where you're like okay we got the customer base and we're now we're making money right um so you got the cost of goods you know distribution who's where are you going to sell it? Is it going to be amazon you're going to try to get into the walmart and bed bath and beyond whatever uh they're every relationship you build with um, a platform or a, a place to sell your products is a different animal mm. you know just because you've you've got your product in the bed bath and beyond or walmart um doesn't mean it's going to be the same experience when you go to try to do Walgreens and Costco and container store and all the, so we've had the, the privilege of, of uh, having relationships with a lot of different uh, stores and yeah. everything has a shelf life in a season. Right. So we go through a season and they, they, these guys got to stay fresh. So we'll be get kicked out, kicked out of one store and we'll go some other into store. another one. Yeah. yeah. You know, another thing that I feel like you're great at is is the execution. And inside the company, we've been talking about a lot of that. And, and a lot of the guests we've been having on our podcast, we've talked about what you just said. An idea is worth a penny, but the execution is where the money is. And it's where that's where the value is. And actually, can you execute? And, you know, in starting the app, um, I, I get probably once a week, somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I have an idea for an app it's going to change the world. Like, I really want to share it with you. It's it's the next big thing. I have one. It's a, I, yeah, well, everybody's got one. You're a guy it's, that could actually, be really big. you could actually make it happen. Um, but everybody has, has an idea and, and I've never had one person execute on that. I've never known any of those people that approach me actually do something about it. And so <clears throat> how, how do you execute? Like when you know something's going to work, like, what is the first or you know the first two or three steps that you take to actually begin the process of of the building? I have an answer for you. Just like when somebody calls you to ask you a question, you erase their first question mark. Mm. So what I do is I I take um, I brain I do a little brainstorm. I like, oh, I got this idea. So I if it's a product or idea or design or whatever, um, I do everything on Excel spreadsheets. I build decision-making calculators on Excel spreadsheets where I put information on one side and I'll do a numerical value this way and it will add up to the decision. And I do the same thing with an idea for a product. Uh, I write down every single thing that I don't know about the product. How much is it going to cost to make? How much will people pay for it? Um, uh, how big is it? Whether weight, sizes, weights, dimensions, and all the... All, every single factor, they're all question marks. And then I systematically go down that entire list of question marks and turn those questions into statements. Hmm. How many of these is there? And that, that turns into, there are this many of those in there. 
right? right. So you go, you turn, you take question marks, and I call it my my uh, procedure of erasing question marks hmm. because now you go from a whole bunch of questions and mystery to a whole bunch of knowledge and facts. Right. That is technically action, even though it's just conversations and talking and this and that. Sometimes I actually have to go, well, if there's a question mark about how much is this thing going to weigh from a shipping cost standpoint, right. I have to go get a scale and go cut out some plastic that's about the size of that thing, and I go, I'll actually put on a scale and weigh it. So there's more action. Mm. Um, who's going who's gonna to produce my metal? Who's going who's gonna to bend my metal? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go find a metal guy. I say, hey, I want to make this thing. He's like, oh, I don't. We only do big, thick, heavy metal stuff, right? And they go, but do you know a guy? Oh, yeah, you know who'd be probably good for this is that guy, and that guy sends me to this guy. So you you chase every rabbit trail all the way down to the end, and you grab and start building, and you're building relationships the whole time. Yeah. Because you have to have an enthusiastic. You have to attract somebody to you in a way that they want to help you. Right. If you come in there and you're storming into places and you got a big old ego and ah or whatever, when you go in there, you know, I mean, you're walking around this new place like, "Hey, I'm sorry, you look super busy. I'm going to keep this really short. I have a stupid little question for you." And they're like, "Well, what do you got?" And then and then I like breaking down walls when it comes to uh people that are, are like are super guarded mm-hmm. and um and then I become friends with people. Yeah, it it really it really comes down to to the relationships. Yeah. Do you think that people that are are seeking those answers often come across as as wanting something too much? Because I've heard people on the other end sometimes say, you know what, when when people come to me and they're asking for all these things, like they 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 come in too aggressive. They come in like asking for me to do something for them, like. Because you seem really good at, you just become friends with those people. Like you're, you have the patience to to build a relationship, and and you're not abrasive about the way that you ask for things. And so, do you see that with new business owners out there? Like they they scare people off because they they ask too upfront or they're too aggressive about it. Some people are too burdensome. Yeah. Some some people don't calculate. Um, is, uh, is the mower too loud? No, it's fine. Okay. It's kind of like when somebody says, like, I've heard people say to others, Hey, I'd love for you to, will you be my mentor? I'd like to meet with you once a week for an hour and, you know, learn about how I can be better. It's like, that's not a very attractive ask for somebody that's really busy and say, you know, like who wants to do that? Like that's a bad ask. Uh, bad ask. Yeah. I love that word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a you can have that name. It's I want to be a badass. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I would say that uh, somebody that doesn't have a natural ability to um, respect people's time mm-hmm. are going to hit a lot of walls. Yeah. If you can't read the room or read your read the audience, and and uh, there are there are are people that really understand the whole concept of of. Um, the gift giving. I, I refer to some folks as vampires. Mm. I was at talking to somebody the other day about a mutual friend that uh, I said, oh, that guy's a vampire. Mm. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, he's not going to suck your blood in the middle of the night. Uh, vampires are people that take, 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 and they don't give back. Yeah. Energy, positivity, um, any kind or, or, or in any way. 
Right. So it's important to make sure you're adding to people every yeah. chance you get. Yeah. Be a giver. Not Be a, a giver. That's really good. And it, and it comes back to you. I mean, that's the stuff, you know, when you are a giver, it comes back. It's incredible. Yeah. And that's where luck comes from. Yeah. You know, being a lucky, really lucky person. Um, it's funny. I have a, an uncle who uh, I was on a job helping my other uncle out hanging 10 doors after I had started this company. And I didn't need the money, but he needed a big favor. So I jumped on the job site, loaded my truck with full of tools and everything. I went and hunt, I'm installing all these doors and his brother um, sees me on the job site. He's like, what are you doing here? Going, I'm helping your brother out hanging these doors. He says, you know, you're the only guy I know that can make a million dollars on accident. Hmm. I didn't know to be offended or complimented. Hmm. And I realized I make it look that easy. Yeah. Okay. That's actually a compliment. Yeah. You know, when you're out there, when you're grinding and, and you're, you're on fire and you're just making stuff happen and you're up late at night up early and just grinding stuff out because you got a passion to do something. Nobody sees that the things you do to attract all the luck. Yeah. That's so true. I, I, I've seen a lot of things about that recently. Just, just little videos and snippets about how nobody actually knows, uh, you know, everybody looks at the, the result, you know, we're such a results based, we're such an outcome based society. Like everything we do, we want the, the outcome or, we look at people who have done great things and we see the outcome and we kind of forget about the the hustle that went into it, you know, behind the, the closed doors. Yeah. I, I, um, I am, you know, I, I bury myself in a project and I, I've, I've sat in one place for 15 hours on working on a spreadsheet before and didn't even realize. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be working on a design or something. I'm, I'm doing some design work right now for this project and It'll be three o'clock in the morning, and my wife will come out of the bed and what, Rick? What are you doing up there? I'm like, I look at the clock, and I'm just you didn't even know it. it. No, yeah, uh, lot. There's um, when it's a when it's a, when it, when when you're doing something that you're passionate about. Yeah, um, and I've heard everybody says it. It's like it become a cliche. If you love what you're doing, it's not really work. It's true though. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So how do you schedule your time? You have so many things going on. How do you schedule all this? I don't really schedule my time very well. Mm. I'm, I miss a lot of appointments. I'm I'm bad at it. I'm not going to lie. It's, I was at 10 o'clock in the morning a couple of days ago. I called my guy to cut my hair. And he says, all right, yeah, come on down at 2 o'clock. And then I, I said, all right, I forgot I had messed him up before. So set my alarm. I, I'm set my alarm right now. Boom. 2.45 rolls around. I'm in a project. Lost track of time. So... I don't. I don't have a great answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, how I schedule my time. My time. I. I really. Uh, I've got an incredible team that does everything that needs to be done for mm. this business, including bringing new products in now, including handling all distribution. And so I. They asked me to leave last July. What mm. is it? April. So they asked me not to come to the office if I can avoid it. Wow. And. I was initially offended. Then I realized these guys don't really need me yeah. to do the stuff that they're great at. I suck at what they do. They don't. They like to do what they do. And every time I, as an inventor, I, every time I walk into a room, I'm looking for a way to rearrange it. Yeah. You know, I walk into my production room over here and my, my employees are, are, are doing what they do best. 
and I go in there, I, I, I get down to one knee, I'm sighting it, I'm making sure the table's straight, making sure everything's, just make sure if nothing needs, because I built all my own uh, fixtures and tools, I designed our manufacturing process, so I want to keep an eye on it, and then Vince will come running in, what are you doing in here? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, like, get out. Nothing, man, I, I, I was just... I just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that's so funny. Well, so, I mean, but but you know, because I've heard business owners Rick say like that you should try to replace yourself. But what does that feel like? Like I imagine that's a little bit hard to. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I imagine that's difficult. I mean, to to be asked to not show up to your own office. Best thing I ever did. Really, it really is because um, I'm um, I'm supposed to be at the fifty thousand foot level. I'm supposed to see fires break out in corners when somebody in that room can't see it. I'm supposed to see, you know, you know, keeping an eye on all the P and L's and all the cash flow projections and looking and, you know, looking down the road in the future. And uh and it's a lot easier to do that more effectively when you're not flying down to the ten thousand foot level meddling in projects that's really none of my business. Hmm. Yeah. So what does that feel like? I mean d- like, how do you keep a sense of purpose when you um, replace yourself? There is a little uh, a little void there. I'm not going to lie. But there's also a lot of comfort in if I do stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and I still need my seven hours sleep, you know, 3 plus 7 is 10 o'clock. So I get my seven hours, I pop out at 10 o'clock, and everything's running like a perfectly, perfectly running machine, yeah. And you don't have to get involved. There's a lot of relief when you when you do successfully have the right team in place. Yeah, that's a great point. And then I imagine like you you seem like the guy that you're never just going to finish a project and then go, okay, well that's it. Like you you you're already teeing up your next thing before you've even stopped doing the thing. Now it's more like when I go to the driving range. And you're uh, not hitting off the, the turf. You're actually hitting on the grass. Mm. Um, I literally tee up 10 golf balls at a time. Yeah. And as I hit them, I'm straddling the next one. And I straddle and I just, I just go, go, go. So you're right. Yes, you tee them. You tee them up. <laughs> tee it as I you do go. it with my real life as well. <laughs> I have a list of eight new inventions. Okay. Um, I keep, uh, I don't have my pocket right now, but I have a little spreadsheet I built that has eight little quadrants on it. And there's all, every area of my life has, uh, I call it my action list. Okay. Um, it's like a punch list. So throughout the day, I just add stuff to it. And then, um, so I have to be careful not to get too distracted, Hmm. uh, with certain projects because most of my ideas are not going to be great ideas. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, for example, you, you can't see them, but they see these wine barrels. Yeah. So I built these wine barrel light fixtures and everybody loved them so much. I thought, all right, I'm going to start a wine barrel light company. And I called it bright barrel. I bought a truckload of barrels. I hired my son. We're building light fixtures, but I didn't think it through. And I lost 50 grand on the deal because I didn't think about the fact that people are going to have to possibly go have they're going to have to hire an electrical contractor, possibly structure. They're heavy. They're like seventy five pounds. Yeah. And so and they're beautiful, but there's just not a lot of places. Well, I was going to sell them to wineries. So I had a lot of fun going around to wine shows and wineries and talking to people and showing them my light. I have my cool brochure, but that was uh, turned out to be a little hobby. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, but I think it's 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 
the fact that you can discern that and you're not like because so many people get so married to their idea that you know they'll never let it go until it just goes straight into the ground. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm unlike the last deal. I I, I held on too long to my uh, win, my window trim company, mm. and I lost a lot of money because of it. Hmm. And if I would have sold it at the right time, I was emotionally involved with the product. I developed them. I it was my industry. I I, I spoke window to window guys. Right. And that was my whole life. So I held on to it too long. I wish I'd have let go a little sooner. And then likewise I won't I will not make that mistake again. Hmm. Um when somebody shows up and makes me an offer for this business and it's enough enough, I'm not gonna be greedy. When it's enough I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take the money and go on to the next project. And yeah. this will always be a feather in my hat. Hmm. I founded that company, and I fought for years protecting my intellectual properties to the wee hours of the night because I have literally had thousands of Chinese knockoff listings. Now, this product's made in America. I've had thousands of Chinese knockoff listings that I've had to beat and beat and beat. It's, it's like playing whack-a-mole. I won. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's. I can't tell you how great it feels. Yeah, gosh, I, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine how many. Just, uh, it, it sounds like a lot of work. Just keeping your your product as the one that everybody is knows this is the actual one. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I would say it might be the hardest thing I've ever done. Really, the most work, the most, um, emotion. I literally crying tears. Wow, like. I'm not going to win. I can't win this. And I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And uh, I just was not going to give up. Hmm. Just fighting to protect my intellectual properties. Yeah. And you did it. You won. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, – they. Uh, we, we've got it set up now to where we have a deal with Amazon and Wish and Alibaba and, and um, eBay, all of them, anywhere you can sell products. Uh, have a, our intellectual properties registered with them and a policing process to in, to find them and and it took it took 4 years of a lot of late nights and tears and rage like you've never seen a guy stomping around his upstairs cursing like his head off cuz he's yeah. so mad at the fight that just won't end mhm so I'm, i got i got complimented i got a, a couple acquisition companies that are are looking at us right now and they're like and they're 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 um they're they're uh basically it's it's this new school concept where these guys are uh, aggregating amazon sellers and overpaying for for businesses and so i'm and uh, one of them said um how did how do you not have a thousand knockoffs of your product like yeah. everybody else does <laughs> that's a long answer buddy yeah, but thanks for noticing. Yeah, took a lot of lot of work to get that done. Yeah, yeah. And Rick, so tell me about like the next products that that you know Rearrest is coming out with. Is there anything new, or is it still just the the clip for your your glasses? The next product has already happened, actually. Okay. Um, last year, um, last couple of years, I've been working to develop a line of reading glasses. That's mm. a perfect fit. So we have really lightweight, comfortable uh, reading glasses with spring loaded hinges. And uh, all of our lenses have blue light blocking technology. Wow. And we have zero powers, uh, zero power glasses. If you need, like, correction, so some people don't need correction. They just want protection from the blue light that's beaming from our devices. So we're spending all this time with all these Zooms and all the, you know, our cell phones. So 
we got a great line of reading glasses now, and they went from 10, 15, 20% of our sales. We're already within a year. It's like 80% of my sales. Wow. It's insane. These things are ripping. People love them. I get people calling me all the time. Absolutely love, love, love your reading glasses. So best thing I ever did. This wow. is going to be the, this is going to be really what, what takes us to the moon. That's amazing. And, and where do, where do people find all of your products? Is it on Amazon? Do they go to your website? Where do people get it all? Either or. Uh, when you go to Amazon, make sure you type in Reader Rest Reading Glasses. Okay. Or just re- Reader Rest, R E A D E R E S T. Okay. And uh, or you can come to our, our website either way. Okay. Got it. Cool. Thanks for asking, man. Yeah, of course. So if, if you could go back and, and whisper in the ear of your young self back when you were just starting, what, what would you say? Patent the snowboard, stupid. yeah um yeah you don't know it takes what it takes um don't smoke meth stupid yeah but i i tell people all the time i i don't recommend doing things that could and will likely kill you um to destroy your life and your family and uh but i also say that um i look in the mirror today I love that guy. Hmm. I freaking love that guy. I love how he treats people. Um, I love how he feels in his heart all the time. Yeah. I believe in the creator of the universe hmm. and the one he sent hmm. to sacrifice himself because I owe a price that I can't pay. Hmm. And I love knowing that no matter what happens, if I lost every penny, I would feel bad for my wife, but that would be my new platform to go build tons of tons more new relationships and get off the ground. So I would say um, to my young self, calm down, bro. Hmm. Give it all you got. Don't ask for a hundred. Ask for a million yeah. because that's what you'll get. That's awesome. That's great advice. Well, Rick, you're uh, you're inspiring, my friend. I love spending time with you, and uh, any chance I get to to be around you, I I always take it. So. Thank you, uh, thank you for spending time today and for doing this. And and I'm just, you know, very excited to release this. I I know that our listeners out there will will get a lot of value from this conversation. I hope so, because um, stuff like this lasts forever. Yep. And uh, this new digital realm. I mean, I was I was talking to my wife. We had big blackouts and stuff, and uh, she was on her phone during a power outage because she had some battery life. Yeah. And. I was downstairs cooking eggs uh, with a forehead light, and I could see my breath because it was 30 degrees in the house. I'm frying up some eggs. And I went back upstairs after I ate my eggs, and she's on her phone. I go, hey, honey, turn your phone off, and it's 1865. Yeah. It's true. Amazing. I know. That was wild. So the technology, I hope hope to inspire people, man. And I sure appreciate the opportunity to come on. Congratulations on your new app. Thank Uh, you can't wait to see it go rock the world man thank you well you do inspire people and uh, appreciate everything that you're doing and and thanks for always pouring into everybody that's around you and for taking time to thank like thank you for giving everybody those five minutes it means a lot my pleasure so appreciate you